Hello everyone, welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Ben Sint and I'm joined today by Radha Vela-Murray. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone both in and out of the field of public health. Today we will be chatting with David Osterberg about his work in environmental health and public policy. Mr. Osterberg used to serve as a representative in the Iowa House of Representatives and is currently an emeritus professor here at the University of Iowa. He is also the founder and past executive director of the Iowa Policy Project, which is now known as Common Good Iowa, which works on people-centered policy. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Osterberg. Can you give us an overview of how the environment, health policy, and all of these factors work together? And maybe just give a brief overview of yourself. Okay. Well, I was at the university for, I think, 17 years, and they, they hired me to do public policy. And that's because I'd been a state legislature in the past. I'd worked for the Department of Natural Resources and was starting a not-for-profit at the same time. This is back in 2001. And so I always believed that work in a not-for-profit area and, and research going on at a place like the University of Iowa can be combined, and it makes both of them better. And in fact, I, I taught a class for a while, along with Pikesa, who just left, Corey just left, as we know. And she and I put together a class that was predicated on the fact that Researchers have information that policymakers want to have, and there's a great interconnection. So uh, I, while I was at the University of Iowa, I was also a director of a not-for-profit. So I had two half-time jobs and always trying to make sure that I kept them separate. I always figured that some Republican senator was going to come in and claim that I was you know, misusing my two positions. So since 2001, I know how every 15 minutes of my work time has gone to make sure that there was no overlap. So do you think you can give us a brief overview of like what type of environmental policy goals right now you're trying to work towards or like what's kind of like big picture things that like are, you know, hot button right now? Yeah, the thing I just wrote yesterday was on taxes. Now, that may seem really far from public health. Of course, it isn't because taxes, without taxes, we don't have a Department of Public Health in the state of Iowa. There's been a, a move to try to do more outdoor recreation and water quality improvement in the state. And periodically, they tie this to a tax bill. And so that's why taxes and uh, outdoor recreation are tied together. And what I tried to explain is what a terrible bill it is and why it doesn't really do very much for outdoor recreation. And the fact that environmentalists might be supporting it just helps them pass a very terrible bill. So public policy. Can you talk a little bit more about like how policy sort of works, like how these bills come into, like how you come up with these ideas. And I mean, you've served in the Iowa House. How does policy making in the state directly affect our environment? That's right. You got to get the votes. So you have to have support on different issues. Here's another example. This is something I, I did for quite a while while I was at both of these institutions, what was called then the Iowa Policy Project. 
and uh, our department in uh, college public health at the University of Iowa. I did a bunch of tours. So the first one, 2002, I kind of misused the grant that I had at uh, the Iowa Policy Project from Joyce Foundation. They just told me, go out and try to make people aware of climate change. So I took, my, took a bunch of my friends and we went to Europe and I paid for it. I paid their way. We had to stay in youth hostels because there wasn't that much money. But we then rode around Europe, starting in Amsterdam and going up through Germany, up, the, up to the top of Denmark. We did that on bicycles. And one of the bicycles was pulling a trailer on which was a giant solar panel. The idea was climate change. What can you do about climate change? And at the time, Germany was really pushing very hard on wind power. Again, 2002, this is kind of, Iowa had just started its wind power development at the time. But we were doing it for the publicity. Every Wednesday morning for seven minutes, I was on NPR and lots of stuff in newspapers. But the point was, climate change is real. Renewable energy is the solution. And if you do it right, farmers make a lot of money because they get having those wind, uh, wind farms on their land, they get paid like $8,000 per turbine per year. There's real money in this for landowners. Iowa can do this. And we just kept pushing that idea. And about every two years, we'd go and do another one. Many of them were in the United States. And Tom Cook, another professor uh, in my department, EHSRC, I mean, I mean, sorry, the Department of, of Environmental and, and Occupational and Environmental Health. Tom went on a bunch of these, and we always do the same kind of thing. We go to places where people were doing something good about, about the environment, generally about climate change. We then bring publicity to that, or, or that organization, whatever they were doing, but because this was a tour that we were making, like around the Midwest or in Slovenia or someplace like that, we were getting a lot of press on that issue. So I always believe that you can kind of make a spectacle and that will help you move towards public policy. Now, the public policy stuff of writing a good law that has the right kind of incentives in it, make sure that, you know, red-blooded capitalists are going to go out and make some money on whatever the idea you're trying to enhance. All of that is good, but you've got to also find people being interested enough that they're going to support through their votes, people who want to push that idea. Another example is a football hero at Iowa, Tim Dwight. Yeah, he's before you guys. You may not have even heard him. Played in the NFL. Uh, he went to my high school. Yeah, I know Tim Dwight. Oh, yeah, Tim Dwight, my God, especially is taking kickoff returns and running them all the way back. I mean, he does that in a Super Bowl. I mean, the guy was incredible, well-known. So we put him on a bus. We go get legislators to come with us on the bus to go out and look at the solar panels that may be already in their area. And the strength of that that we did back in 2011 2012, we got the Iowa legislature to pass a law enhancing solar power. And Tim 
was interested in helping us do that because he had a firm that was doing that sort of thing. So Tim Dwight is responsible for a lot of the solar panels on individual homes that exist around the state of Iowa. And the reason, people like Tim Dwight. Therefore, they would go right on a bus with him because, you know, it's either they like it or they know their constituents like it and they would like them being associated with something like this. Public policy is really interesting stuff. And if you get a job like I had at the, in, the, in the department, I was able to have the federal grants were just go out and make sure that people understand the research going on here, translate that research to people or do something on uh, outreach. Boy, those are wide open and you can do the things that I just described and get credit for it. Because remember, the model in the college public health is you have to bring in half your money from some grant, generally a federal grant someplace. That's how we survive as a college of public health. I had to do it. I could do it. And I could kind of do what I wanted to do also, uh, believing, as I, as I do, that people are going to respond to interesting ideas and they kind of are going to do the right stuff. Right now, they seem not to be doing the right stuff with the, the crowd that are in the state legislature right now, but it's real possible that we're going to move back in that area. But you got to show people what's going on and what could happen. Who'd have thunk that publicity is involved in public policy? Just that's kind of funny. Yeah, right. I know. I do lectures on becoming a spectacle and how that might even help public health. Yeah. I want to backtrack a little bit because you talked about solar energy and you talked about wind energy and all these. I want to know kind of your opinions on renewable energy, which one, like maybe not even the science of it, but like how you think, you know, it can be implemented or your opinions on it and the work you've done for renewable energy. Okay. Way back when I first became a legislator, 1983, I worked on a bill that said if you are a producer of renewable energy, the law already said, well, the local utility has to buy it from you because they're a monopoly. And if they didn't buy it, nobody would. But we set up a way that they had to pay a fair price for it. That was our law. That had a lot of problems. Utilities just hated it. And, but by battling and battling and battling, finally, we start a wind industry in the state of Iowa. And the idea was not to require the companies to have that much in renewable energy. They just had to try it. And Mid-American Energy, which serves Iowa City, just took off. And right now in Iowa, we have 11,000 megawatts of wind power. It, in, in 2020, it was almost 60% of all the kilowatt hours generated in the state of Iowa. We are, Texas is the leading state for the amount of wind power. It's a very big state. Here we are second, but as a percentage, no one's close to us. That idea is to try to get people to try something. When they tried it, they found it worked. And wind power is a really, really good way of fighting climate change. And let me tell you how research fits into this. 
then uh, the big environmental group in the state of Iowa, the Iowa Environmental Council, and said, what can we do about health and wind power? Because people claim that they're, you know, they're dying. You know, that President Bush says it causes cancer, wind turbines cause cancer. We need some, we need some firepower here. And so when something like that happens, I go to somebody really smart. So I went to Peter Thorne. And so Peter and I wrote a paper on what we know about the effects of the noise coming out of those wind turbines and public health and found out that everybody finds out, you don't know, but there just doesn't seem to be any evidence. You always have to say, we don't know for sure, because that's science, but it sure doesn't seem that it is the sound emanating from those turbines or what's called infrasound that you can't preserve you know, through your ears, you, you're getting those waves, they're, they're hitting you. But we've used that all over to stop neighbors from saying, we don't want those wind turbines and we don't want them because they look ugly. I agree that, that that's, a, that's a legitimate argument. And they don't, and they're causing us to have health problems. I don't, I don't know, maybe not. Doesn't seem to, your neighbor doesn't have any. I mean, you always have to assume, look, some people have symptoms. Public health scientists have to say, okay, we, we, we believe you, we, you're having symptoms, but does moving those turbines back another mile do anything when actually you're just so angry about them in the neighborhood that that's what's causing you not to sleep or to have whatever that you claim good research on, on this, that you just cannot find any direct causation. And so that paper was really important. And getting Peter to do that, he's, he's another one of these, you know, sort of activist researchers, serves on an, an EPA advisory board. Now, Peter Thorne is really quite a, quite a find, uh, still a, a professor in uh, the College of Public Health. See, that's an important piece. We needed that important piece to go to, to local county officials and say, you're hearing this, but it may not be right. Yeah, so do you think Iowa's ever gonna get fully on like green power with wind or do you think there's, you know, sometimes you're gonna have to fill the gaps when the wind doesn't blow or the sun doesn't shine? Of course, of course. And what you have to do is storage. But the fact is storage, like big batteries, big batteries to, to store the energy that got there at noon when the sun was shining and now it's eight o'clock at night and you need that power. Sure, and we're moving that direction. I mean, the costs are coming down so much that right now the cheapest kilowatt hour you can generate from a new plant in Iowa is winter, no question. Or maybe a solar panel, but no, Coal and gas, they can't even compete. Nukes, we already lost a nuclear power plant in Iowa because it couldn't compete. I mean, I think we could have nursed that along a little longer because it was replaced by coal. But solar is really the place to push now. And I'm part of another really interesting coalition. And that is blue-green. Blue for blue collar, green for us enviros. And having environmental groups work with trade unions 
to make sure that when you build those new plants, I mean, if you build a gas plant, it's going to be union made because so many of the utility companies are organized. That's organized labor, which means good workmanship, high wages, good safety, safety especially. And so it wasn't necessarily happening when you put in a big solar array. So two solar arrays come to Lynn County, just north of where you guys are talking to me. And one of them agreed to have, in, in a sense, local workers, union workers to do the building of that solar plant. It was, by the way, at the same location of the old nuclear power plant. So all the setup was there. It was a perfect location. Another one was trying to set up also, another very big one, 100 megawatt. And they said, no, we're not going to have union guys. We don't need you. They ran into trouble with their neighbors, weren't going to get approval. And finally, at the last minute, they say, all right, we are gonna, we'll have union work. All of a sudden, the enviros and the unions come in and say, we're in support of this. They get approved. That just happened two months ago. So that is another way. And that's what environmentalists fail on. They just say, we got to have, we got to stop climate change. We got to have more renewable energy, no matter how it gets here. I care how it gets here. I don't want a bunch of people, you know, with all the license plates are from Tennessee. People are paid very, very badly. They all stay in motels for a while and they kind of are abused in the good, there's not good safety standards. We want to make sure that when we build out more solar to go along with the a lot of wind that we have in the state of Iowa to produce our power. We need to make sure that we have the support of the communities. And that means those got jobs have to be good jobs. Got to think about the whole thing. So it kind of goes back to saying we can do this if we all cooperate and also, the other part is, you know, it's kind of cool to do this stuff too. Yeah. Nice. Thank you for that. So you've done work with the Iowa Policy Project and the Common Good Iowa. Do you want to touch on uh, what that group does? And Yeah. Yeah. Well, Iowa Policy Project and an, another not-for-profit merged recently. I mean, we were friends. We shared a grant together. And in fact, because we shared a grant, that's why we merged because our funder, this is like $150,000 a year. This is a good big funder for a little not-for-profit. They said, you know, maybe you ought to merge. And we said, okay, I mean, what could we say? This is our biggest funder. So we're trying to figure out the two different tendencies of the group. The other one did mainly child and family work. They probably were actually more interested in, in and public health than, than we were. We tend to be a, a tax, you know, a tax shop here, trying to make sure that taxes were fair. And I guess I could figure out how that relates to public health, but not very much. But so it's two, two organizations working together and uh, hopefully making the world a little better. That's why we call it common good. We work for the common good in the state of Iowa. So you said Common Good Iowa worked a lot with, it's a nonprofit and it worked a lot with taxes and policy. And then you, you said that you, you were affiliated with, the, with researchers in public health, but how do they work together? Could you go yeah. more into that? Well, the example of the, the wind power example, I think was, you know, we want more wind and Peter Thorne 
knows uh, lots about public health, and we put together the good research that shows this. Other ways in which that is working is to say social determinants of health. I mean, who lives in Iowa and what kind of health care are they going to get naturally? And can we make sure that we can expand some things that help families out? Daycare is a real public health issue. And that is something that the other half of the Common Good Iowa Child and Family Policy Center is what its previous name was. It works very hard to try to make sure that we subsidize daycare so that, you know, that it generally is a single parent trying to raise some kids can have a place for those kids to go. So she, almost always she, can then go to community college or get a better job. And that's, that turns out to be public health. Income is public health. That's what we believe. And so when we work on taxes, we think we're doing good public health too. So we've done a lot of discussion on like, as you just mentioned, childcare and overarching green energy topics. Is there any other like pressing issues that like you would like to see progress or, you know, significant strides be made here in the well, near future? I'm sure I'd like the, this legislature to stop attacking LGBT people. My golly, they just are going after everybody. You know, I guess, you know, we're all looking at this guy, Zelensky, and making incredible speeches to the Canadian Parliament or to our Congress. And you look at that and compare it to the smallness of these people in our legislature, just looking for the weakest people and just deciding to punish them or deciding that we're going to have a tax cut and make sure that tax cuts goes inordinately to the richest people in Iowa. That's an issue that I'm uh, pretty passionate about. Continue to try to figure this out. How I'm, I'm Again, I'm an emeritus professor, so I'm no longer teaching on a regular basis or researching on a regular basis, but still trying to figure out how to bring ideas to a larger group of people so they support people who might be a whole lot better than this bunch. You're an emeritus professor. You just mentioned that. So this is a question that we like to ask all of our guests on the show, on the podcast, if we have time. And since you're an emeritus professor, you know, you've You've lived a long life. You have a lot of experience. We were wondering, what is one thing that you thought you knew going into a project, going into working at the Iowa House of Representatives or anything even that you were later wrong about or that, you know, you had like an enlightenment moment? Okay. I was, I was the chair of the agriculture committee, um, which really, I mean, the Farm Bureau was the biggest farm group in Iowa. They hated it. God, they hated it. But I was the chair and I had a lot of control. And so I, I knew that fertilizer companies, pesticide companies were going after Iowa State University and giving them so much money that the reason we, you know, that, that Iowa State seemed to support big ag all the time was because of the money. Turned out not to be true. Money came from the US Department of Agriculture from the state of Iowa to some extent. There was not much money, but these guys were clever. It was like every professor had one grad student was on some grant that came from Siba Geige or Monsanto or somebody like that. So we 
decided that we could set up our own organization with not very much money, like a million and a half a year, and actually start doing sustainable agriculture. And that came that because I had to be disabused of the notion that we couldn't possibly do this because they had way too much money. They didn't. They were cheap, but they were really effective. Unfortunately, that, that uh, Leopold Center for Sustainable Agriculture was terminated by the same bunch in the state legislature. This is, we've got to win some elections. That's what has to happen in Iowa. And that's a piece of public policy. So better people, newer people. So clearly you trying to tell people to get involved in, you know, voting here, but as a final take-home message uh, for our listeners, like what is your overarching way to like tell people to get involved in sustainability? Well, the first thing is speaking to students, damn it, vote, because students are terrible at voting. And so, I mean, that's one, that is something to do, vote. Second, work in campaigns, try to figure out that, you know, this might be a way to spend a, a few hours rather than going to the bars or whatever you want to do. It's, it's, and it, it is really important. Climate change is fundamentally changing this world. And if you do not respond, you are going to be responsible for whatever is coming with the extra storms, the extra unusual ways in which the earth is meeting us. You have to do it. And the public policy, first of all, happens only when you have people who actually believe in climate change. And unfortunately, there's a whole bunch of people that don't even believe that vaccines work in this state legislature. Yeah, look at the Gazette from this morning where we have a state senator claiming, ah, yeah, they just don't work. You have to have a booster. So clearly it didn't work. Ah, my gosh, it's uh, really interesting how bad these people are and we don't know. All right, that's all the questions we have for you today. Thank you for coming on, David Osterberg. And thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast episode. I enjoyed this.